That's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. Welcome. I'm Andrew Dice. And I'm Stephen Colbert. And this is Batman v Superman by the Minute, a rewatch of Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, 60 seconds at a time. We have covered most of the opening prologue. We've covered the Batman side of the equation. I, I suppose we're moving now into the V, mostly set up as we are. We've been to the Indian Ocean. We are going to return there shortly before bouncing into the fictional country of Nairobi, I guess country or city. Of Nairobi, well, Africa. It's a location of some sort. Yes. Not to be confused with Nairobi, the capital of Kenya. It is fictional on purpose. So please address your letters to the filmmakers <laughs> and not uh, not the podcast. Well, I can't contain my excitement for who we're about to meet. So it's a big deal. Let's just get into it. A red wind is bad luck. Blood in the sky. Oh, there she is. Miss Lane. I think hands down the best line of dialogue spoken in this minute, which couldn't be more obvious an episode title. It, it is probably dropped like in the entire movie. Uh, but before we move there, we get a return to Island Scientist. Yes. Our new MVP so far. And as I, as I discovered, we'll say that I did some extra research for this episode in preparation, <laughs> boiler alert or sort of a peek behind the scenes, I screwed up and I watched the theatrical cut first. Yeah, so you know who really got done dirty by the theatrical cut? No. Island Scientist had the majority of his scenes in this minute entirely cut. Oh. Yeah, right? And um, And actually, fascinatingly, we've been talking about how each minute transitions with some sort of a punctuated moment in, in the theatrical cut. They bring the kryptonite up to him, and instead of showing him inspecting the whatever other rocks he's looking at, the camera just cuts straight to the kryptonite. They unfurl the blanket, he hits it with the rock, and then smash, we are we are in Africa. What about all of this incredible political, you know, scientific it, industry that has erupted? It's, it's, they wanted a two and a half hour runtime dice, and we don't have time for that kind of uh, nuance in a two and a half hour okay. runtime. Well, I will say that the, probably the worst part of that is that what a, a strike with that like pickaxe thing. Oh, yeah. Every single time I am amazed at how like I tip my hat to the prop makers because man, does that thing really, and, and I've paused it and looked to see if I can see a seam <laughs> that he's hitting and I can't really pick one out. Every time I think there's a seam, it turns out to just be a crack because that's not where it cracks. Well, you know, do you want me to ruin it for you? So, so it's built with the crack, probably. I don't, I don't know. I guess I could interview the prop maker. Actually, that's, and I wonder if Patrick, uh, Tatopoulos designed this. For, it yeah. seems like it's very him. Anyway, so they made it with the cracks and then they just veneered over it. And so there is no seam. The seam is underneath. And so when they hit it, it breaks along the seam, but the seam is not visible because it is. I mean, it's exquisite. It's exquisite. And the way it, his little second hit, it breaks, it, it gets the point across. Like, I suppose even in the theatrical cut, we, everybody knew obviously what it, what a glowing green thing is in a Superman story, which I guess is just a shorthand that now you have to accept. Like it's, it's just omnipresent. In yeah, I think Superman is enough of the zeitgeist that they don't need to even Venom 
can can refer to something as the symbiote's yeah. kryptonite, and everyone knows what they mean. But uh, yeah, I the the tinkling sound, the music, and everything, I I dig it. I I also realize kind of now looking at this that the construction of it is less clear than in maybe any Superman movie that I can think of. But the construction of the kryptonite, yeah, exactly. Like, was it? Because we could say, was it brought here by the craft? Was it uh, oh, right. a byproduct of the process? Is it? Well, and all the other versions of kryptonite look almost like a oh, like a like a gem from a Sonic video game or, yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. Where it's, it's a it's a crystal, whereas this is a much more natural. Yeah, well, they don't explain exactly what it came from. So there's a. I was wondering how is kryptonite made here is it literally a piece of of krypton was it created by the explosion of the world engine was it tar- a part of the terraforming process yeah. i guess the the like liquid magma around it that was cooled always led me to believe that it had been formed yeah exactly or was it like a an element that powered the world engine maybe uh it's like a like a like a uranium or something yeah yeah i guess we will never know no yeah. No, well, based on in the movie anyway, we'll we'll never know, and I, I suppose I'm okay with that. Yeah, that works for me. So I guess we we get a few. Now I will treasure these seconds uh, even more that we spend with him before, as you said, shifting from we've now got autumn fields, city streets, Indian Ocean waters. We're jumping to African desert. I think we we talked about these, right? The are they Coke bottles? Are they not being opened? Yeah, and I don't I don't know if that was on the air or not, but with sort of the way that with Man of Steel there it's got a reputation for its its product placement just because it's it's a little it's a little Very obvious. Very middle America brands. Yeah, exactly. And so in my mind's eye I always recall this as as being Coke bottles and then I remember writing that in my notes and then I kind of rewound and looked at it and they're, they're nondescript, which was just kind of funny to me that you'd expect that to be a Coca-Cola yeah. bottle being opened in Africa seems like such a kind of Zack Snyderism of like, oh, you go halfway around the world and there's Superman and there's Coke. Coke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I can confirm based on uh, going frame by frame that the caps are marked with the Bottlers Association of Atlanta. <laughs> Which would strongly suggest that these are, I suppose, Coke Zeros. Oh yeah, maybe going by the black label. And I guess Coke just just didn't write write a big enough check or something. Yeah, I or or didn't want to be associated with one of my favorite characters of the movie. We can add it to the list. Unfortunately, I couldn't find out who this if this character is named or who the actor is. Oh, that's too bad. But I, I've always thought he had a passing resemblance to the actor from The Gods Must Be Crazy, <laughs> which was about a Coke bottle falling from the sky. Hey, maybe this is just the end. This is how his story ends. So I don't care if this is or not. I'm assuming that is this actor, and this is my new favorite cameo and Easter egg. Could I have looked it up before I recorded? Yes. Would I rather other people look it up? Yes, I would rather they do that. So I invite you to do that, and because this will exist on the internet forever, it will go unresolved. (laughs) Man, a character from The Gods Must Be Crazy showing up in a Superman movie where they question whether or not he's a god yeah, holding what appears to maybe be a Coke bottle. Wow, I think we've got we've got some cross yeah. uh, cross symbolism. Here. I had to do the mental gymnastics of like I can because that was um this is a glimpse this is this is what happens in light minutes this is a glimpse into my life. There are the movie covers at the blockbuster video that I <laughs> yes. was never going to rent ever in my life because I was a kid, but 
I could draw from memory the cover to The Gods Must Be Crazy and The Gods Must Be Crazy 2. Mm-hmm. I, and I think it was only when I, you know, hit my my 25th birthday, I looked up what that movie was about anyway and thought, oh, it was just like a regular movie. Oh, have you not seen it? No, I haven't. We've no, got I... friends from South Africa that were like, oh, no, it's the greatest comedy ever. You got to watch it. And I remember very little of it, but I do remember it being pretty funny. Yeah. Um, it, so... it occupies the same space in my brain as the, the Englishman who went up a hill but came down a mountain. Yes. Where it's in there, but... Don't quiz me on it. However, <laughs> I could tell you the exact plot and, and the, you know, heartwarming ending. But we should say, uh, this character remains a mystery. However, we have to give it up for the arrival of Mr. Michael Cassidy, Jimmy Olsen. I will go out on a limb and say the coolest version of Jimmy Olsen that I have seen in a movie by default, based on everything that we learned from him beyond this minute. But in this introduction, we were just introduced to him as Jimmy, a photographer, obviously. Yeah. I mean, if his introduction is cool enough that if if I had walked out of Batman v Superman, or even if I found out tomorrow that this version of Jimmy Olsen is getting a prequel movie, mm-hmm. um, I would I would buy tickets for it right away. <laughs> like he's mm-hmm. he yeah, he's he's like CIA agent posing as a journalist. Uh, yep. cool sunglasses, awesome, like Africa attire, like, uh, like desert uh, yeah. leather and, and everything. Um, Lois instantly just inherently knows to pay him no respect whatsoever. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, this character, I guess in the, in the theatrical cut and everything, we didn't get this scene, so it, it was a discovery in the credits, yeah. right? So in the theatrical cut, which I watched for research ahead of time, just because I knew there was some differences here, um, <laughs> they hit the, the kryptonite or the, the rock and it breaks open. You see the kryptonite and it immediately smashes to, um, actually I think it goes to black and then you get on her knees. Yeah. Then you get them on their knees okay. and being unmasked. Right. Um, and so this entire, entire bit here of him introducing himself and the Coke and the guys must be crazy and. Yeah. And all of that, getting in the car, all of that is just gone. Then let's all be thankful for it. We end this minute with, I think, um, Jimmy Olsen just getting a really decent snub and Lois giving a, a pretty intense slam. Maybe she had a rough flight. No respect for her, for her journalists. But, um, <laughs> and then we, we leave it there wondering, I guess, here we go. Lois and Jimmy united. They're going to begin their, their cool new career covering stories for the Daily Planet. Oh yeah. What a great addition. After his absence from Man of Steel, um, yeah. I, I really feel like you've got Perry White, you've got Lois Lane, and now we've got Jimmy Olsen is added to the story. Yeah. Actually, and did, did we talk about the the wind, bad luck, blood in the sky? <laughs> no, not at all. Of course no, not. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's funny that in this Africa scene, there's, there's some fairly quotable dialogue and mm-hmm. – I feel like this one is often overlooked when, um, when kind of fans like to quote the ignorance is not innocence or, yeah, you know, from coming minutes. But I like this one, but does not, I don't think quite gets its due. And it's pretty significant to the story. It's a, it's a bad omen and then, and then bad things happen. I guess we were stretching this out, but, you know, sitting down to view the movie, the bad omens are kind of stacking up here. It is, it's a nice moment. It's not only echoing that while this is on the other side of the earth, the dust in the air mm-hmm. and the blood in the sky, like, can't help but be a direct parallel to Metropolis. And on top of that, it's a total moment that feels like the the style that, you know, was popularized by uh, Alan Moore of writing where 
turn the page into a new scene and the dialogue from the previous scene carried over is given new meaning here. Uh, it almost feels more sinister separating it with that bit of idyllic ocean. Like, uh, but, but then as we said, the kryptonite being discovered is such a terrible omen than to go to somewhere that seems to be completely divorced from that storyline of Superman being, you know, bad luck, blood in the sky. Yeah. Well, it's also interesting because you're playing with color also so much. So we cut from, um, we cut from Metropolis to literally the other side of the world and the Indian Ocean. And then we get the green of the kryptonite. And then we cut again to another part of the world. And again, it's a place where there are foreigners present that are meddling in something. Yeah. And they, they reference the color red. Um, I don't know if the, how much symbolism is there necessarily, but it's clearly, a, it's showing sort of a consistent situation at all around the world of forces meddling in things going on. Yeah. And how we talked about the presence of Western science in the Indian Ocean, mm -hmm. not really understanding what the connection is yet. Yeah. And now we move from there to the middle of Africa and Lois on a mission. And the first thing we see is a bottle of Coke being opened. And like whether whether or not it, it says it on label or not, we both knew it was a Coke. We know that it wasn't made – it wasn't bottled in Africa. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And yeah, and that carried over to to an American character. What are they doing here? Why have they come? Mm -hmm. Why is Lois here? Questions that will be answered. Actually, at the, at the top of the next minute, yeah. The the who is here and why is a, a big focus the next minute. Yeah, we've got we've got now part one of of Jimmy's of our favorite Jimmy uh, <laughs> lines in the movie. Uh, we will be getting to part two very soon, but that will do it for minute twelve. Yeah, it's 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 setting up a lot, but not really doing a whole lot on its own. So we'll take this opportunity to say thank you again to everybody listening along and leaving some some great iTunes reviews and following along on Twitter to to enjoy <laughs> some some uh, choice things that we are highlighting and uh, some listeners who are also pointing out some very cool stuff on Twitter at BVS by the minute. So we're ready for I guess lucky minute thirteen in a movie that is already filled with so much doom. I can't even imagine what minute thirteen is going to having it but we will find out soon so for what will be the first and last case of some seriously intensely repetitive a deja vu uh jimmy say hello to us again miss lane miss lane jimmy olsen photographer you come on no 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 it's okay lois Remember the day the gods went crazy and all the trouble began? It's happening again. Now, from the makers of The Gods Must Be Crazy comes a side-splitting new adventure. The Bushman is back. <laughs>